And just thinking about the best coffees I've had in my life, more often than not, they've been espressos. And it was one of those things over lockdown where I'm like, fine, I'm going to get an espresso machine. <laughs> I've gotten really plunged into that hobby. And the more I get into it myself, the more I'm really thankful for some absolutely phenomenal cafes around Melbourne. Dirty Linen's summer series continues with a person that you may not know, but that whenever I speak to him, I am just amazed about his passion for food, about the things that he's been eating and everything that he has to say about them. His name is Jake Reader. I've met Jake uh, because we've made a whole bunch of videos together, cooking videos, food videos, and uh, he is never unhappy to talk about food. So Jake, welcome to Dirty Linen. Oh, absolutely honoured to be here. I always love hearing you talk about food. I don't know I don't know if I've heard anyone be more enthusiastic than you are about the art and act of eating. Yeah, I, I certainly love food and I think the people behind it as well, I love anyone who's kind of a bit of a nerd and passionate about their craft. That really resonates with me immediately, I think. What are some of the um, videos that we've made together that have really um, stayed with you? We went to a flower or wheat farm on the Mornington Peninsula, which doesn't seem like a like a wheat growing sort of place. And we met a guy called Jason Cotter, and he was just fanatical about everything to do with wheat. And I just absolutely loved the care and thought he put into his product. And it was almost like when we got there, one of their machines had broken. So they were in the field picking wheat by hand. It looked like we stepped back 3000 years. Um, but this was a man who studied absolutely everything there was to do with wheat and was just laser focused on getting good, interesting food out there. That really, really stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, it's so interesting. Well, it's great that you mention Jason from Turong Farm um, because we've actually we're actually going to feature him on the producers podcast uh, as well. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on that, everybody. Um, yeah, Jason is also not short of a word or an opinion about food. <laughs> Maybe why we got on so well. <laughs> Maybe. So, Jake, uh, we're talking on Dirty Linen Summer Series about people's favourite flavours, favourite tastes, favourite meals. So I would love to hear what you got for us. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think wherever I go, more and more, I think about the beverages going along with it too. And I think about all the sums who put so much care and effort into getting really interesting combinations. And I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I love being exposed to that whole dimension. Um, so, but that, I, I feel like that's gone from this fine dining, you know, you get a degustation, you get matched wines to even now these absolutely phenomenal wine bars popping up where they can suggest some really excellent stuff that I wouldn't think to get. Um, and have really good food too. So I'm really right now loving places like Napier Quarter, Carlton Wine Room, you know, um, places that are sort of fall more into that wine bar camp that happen to have absolutely amazing food. And you can get that kind of degustation style, um, you know, thinking about what you're drinking with what you're eating, um, but kind of at a quick, low-key, 
lunch setting. Yeah, it can really round out an experience, hey. And one thing that I think, um, you know, we've seen quite a lot of, but I feel like it's only going to get more, is matching cocktails and even non-alcoholic beverages with food. Yeah, there are some serious wizards out there. I've had some absolutely incredible I feel like Non started that, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah, Non, a local uh, brewer of interesting non-alcoholic drinks. And, yeah, definitely. I remember probably encountering Non first at Oh My in Beaconsfield, an extraordinary restaurant, which, of course, like, yeah, the match, the wine matches there are very exciting. But I think that's where I first had Non. And, yeah, it's just uh, really creative blends of um fruit and spices and using fermentation to create some amazing layers of flavor, layers of flavor, but also, I don't know, layers of texture as well. Um, A lot of length in those drinks, which I think is something that you often don't find in non-alcoholic beverages. Yeah, it's complex and they kind of, I feel like they want you to think about it and dissect the flavors. And it's not just, you know, like a fizzy little fun substitute. It's something really interesting and complex and can sort of stand on its own. Yeah, totally. Um, I love that you can also, because I'm, I'm a bit of a cheap date, and so I love sometimes swapping out a drink or two if I'm, you know, having a big sit-down dinner with a non-alcoholic thing. I, I really feel like you don't lose that much, that there's still the same thought and care that goes into that process, at good places at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really loving that trend. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, okay, what else you got for me? Oh, well, we talked briefly. I've been deep into my coffee adventures. I've, um, yeah, I, I, you know, grew up in Papua New Guinea, and we were basically next to a coffee roaster, and so it's always been something I've been interested in and passionate about. And I've been drinking mainly filter coffee at home for you know the past God knows how many years. Um, but I've always just thinking about the best coffees I've had in my life. More often than not, they've been espressos. And it was one of those things over lockdown. I can't remember which one it was where I'm like, fine, I'm going to get an espresso machine. And I've gone so, <laughs> I've gotten really plunged into that hobby. And the more I get into it myself, the more I'm really thankful for some absolutely phenomenal cafes around Melbourne. Um, like I was, I was at Arnie Pegg's just yesterday and they basically do black coffee only, but you can get filter espressos, long blacks or cold drips, I think. And just the general knowledge of the staff there is absolutely staggering. I remember I walked in there once and they were talking about different filter papers, you know, that were essentially the same box, but made in different workshops and yada, yada. And it's, a whole bunch of coffee nerds and I feel like it's a cop-out saying Melbourne and Australia has a really strong coffee culture, but we've got a really strong co- coffee culture, you know, and I'm just, I'm so impressed with what we're able to bring out and what I can drink. And yeah, the more I've gotten into making my own espresso at home, the more I'm like, wow, these people really know what they're doing. So Jake, you've got to just pull out one coffee experience for me and and go into some detail. I think for me, the best tasting I do is always when I've got a kind of a point of comparison. Um, So I think my best coffee tasting experience 
isn't just with one, but it's with two or three really phenomenal coffees. Um, Arnie Pegg's had a whoosh whoosh on. Whoosh whoosh? Excuse me? What is? Yeah, so whoosh whoosh is this tiny region in Ethiopia, I think. Um, And so um, Arnie Pegg's had a whole bunch of whoosh whoosh coffees in. And you'd think, okay, a whole bunch of coffees from the same area would taste more or less the same. Um, But they had them kind of processed in all sorts of different ways. And by getting, you know, three or four of them at a time, you can really begin to taste the intricacies of each and the just variety there. Um, That was some really incredible coffee that I had fairly recently, I think. Um, And I'd always recommend having a few. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love that idea. Yeah, it's like a flight of coffee, like you might have a flight of beer or something. I think that's very cool. Yeah, it's like at a wine tasting, you don't just have one glass and expect to taste everything in one, but it's like you compare it to to the others. Um, So I'm glad that's going into the kind of coffee world as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so so interesting. I think is the way that our taste works, it's so much about benchmarking and, and contrasting, isn't it? It's nothing just sort of comes to you as a as a pure experience all by itself. Context is so important. So yeah, I really I really get what you're saying. Um okay, what else you got for me, Jake? Um I wanted to talk as well about we were kind of having a quick conversation, but about reverence in restaurants. And especially, you know, really nice restaurants. I I feel like there's in some of the kind of best restaurants in Australia I've eaten at, I feel a certain reverence going there, but it's almost diffused by how friendly everyone is. Um, and I feel like really good restaurants, there's such a confidence there. I think we were talking, I used the example of Bray, which I'd recently been to again, um, of just having nothing to prove and all of that kind of reverence just coming from me rather than them trying to create this artificial environment of stuffiness. Uh, It felt almost like going to a really good friend's for dinner and then just happening to eat some of the best food you've ever eaten in your life. Um, And I I feel like that's a trend, you know, across a couple of really good restaurants. Um, But at at the same time, I, I, I guess I was kind of in a rambling way thinking about, um, you know, how good food wasn't during scores. And I, I was thinking about not judging all restaurants by the same cloth. And I do think there is still a place for kind of older school type experiences. Like I was getting dinner last week or the week before in uh, at Grossy Grill, which is, you know, obviously a super old school place. And I was almost anonymous to them in that I was the latest in the long, 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 long line of customers. And they were all focused on the kind of clockwork of the restaurant. And I really kind of liked that as well. Like it was kind of comforting to see them not, I'm not sure. Like, do you understand kind of what I'm saying? Like there's a place for both a low key friendly experience, but also I really don't mind some of the thing where you're, 
almost anonymous to them, you know? Yeah, but like they've got this well-oiled machine that you sort of slip into and the cogs sort of grind around you and that the cogs, the grinding cogs mean that you get your food and you have the, you have the experience and you can have the conversation with the person you're with or whatever it is and you have something nice to eat. But it's like you're absorbed into their, um, their ecosystem. Is that sort of what you mean? That is so much better than what I was trying to say. Absolutely. Like you're plugged into their matrix and you're kind of taken along for the ride, which I think is really valuable and something I really enjoy at some of those places. I think it's so interesting what you say, Jake, because it really taps into something that I try to do when I'm judging restaurants. So it's interesting that you also bring it up in in relation to the Good Food Guide for 2021, putting out a, a more magazine format of the guide and not scoring any restaurants, but just, you know, I guess everyone's in there by virtue of the fact that they're, they're good. Of course, we'll just a side note, we know that a lot of good places are not in there and that's just the nature of guides. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, what I do as a restaurant critic is always try to, my first question is always like, what is this restaurant trying to do, trying to do? Who are they trying to be? What is their project? And I think you would be, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, uh, and an unsatisfying experience. If you go into one of those, let's call them ecosystem restaurants, which require you to kind of slot in and just take the ride. If you, um, yeah, if you go in there with a more of a, I guess, poised, fine dining, you know, lay it all out for me kind of energy, then you, yeah, you might not get that. And it is so much, I guess, dining out is so much about taking restaurants on their own terms. And if, I suppose, if that's not the kind of experience you're up for, then, um, go somewhere else. Like there's so, there's so, we're so lucky to have so much choice. Exactly. It's about so much more than the food they're serving, but the atmosphere of the place. And I feel like as long as it's authentic to whatever environment they set out to create, that there's a place for it and a place for people to really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you started by saying, talking about reverence. And I feel like when we were chatting about Bray and about those really confident dining rooms that so so know what they're about, I feel like we were also chatting about they they are also showing reverence, like yes, they're super friendly and confident. But there was almost, I feel like, almost imbued in that kind of confidence in that expression of the art of dining. There is a reverence for restaurants and for the fact that you know this is a way that we gather as humans. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think the fact that they can, I mean, obviously, I'll feel some sort of reverence because I only go to places like Bray once in a blue moon. Otherwise, I'd be totally broke. Um, but the fact that they can maintain their reverence for community, uh, you know, doing it day in, day out is really incredible, I find. Like, it's such a special atmosphere in there. It, it just, it floors me, really. <laughs> How lucky are we that we can sometimes go to places like that? Oh, it's so, so, so good. <laughs> I love it. Um, Jake, is there anything else that you wanted to say? I just wanted to talk one last little bit about going to places more than once because I feel like there's so many absolutely amazing restaurants in Melbourne that it's, you know, sometimes you feel tempted to go try different places, but you can get really special experiences and kind of grow to understand the restaurant and the mechanisms underpinning it. Like I think my example there is Ides on Smith Street with um, Peter Gunn. 
where it was one of those things where I went once and it was ab- absolutely phenomenal and I loved it. And then I went a second time and I got a whole bunch more that I didn't get. And I kind of began to understand the philosophy of the restaurant more. I mean, quite often these are places where we're only in, for, you know, one evening or one afternoon, every every once in a while. Um, so I've, I feel like going to restaurants you really like a few times and kind of really looking at what they're about and the passion behind the people there is a valuable exercise and a lot of fun. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, people always ask me, what's your favourite restaurant? And I always, you know, feel this, uh, like I can never complain about being, you know, having a job of going and eating out. But if I am, am ever allowed to complain about it, what I will say is that I don't get to go to back to places as much as I would like to because there is always this imperative, not necessarily to go to a new place, although there is that, but a place that I haven't been before. But I think I do miss out on that experience of, you know, perhaps being a regular or having that um, seasonal appreciation of a restaurant that, you know, you just go back and back and back to. And the places that I have been able to do that. I, I totally agree with you. You they you experience them and appreciate them, and I think they also appreciate you as a customer in a completely different way. Um, but but Jake, what do you reckon about if you go somewhere and it, you don't have a great experience? Do you go back then? I, I think it depends on the type of experience. I mean, sometimes if I go to a restaurant that's just opened and maybe I've got an experience that's a little less than polished. I'd, I'd kind of be inclined to give it a few months and then go back again and kind of see how they've come into their own. Um, I, I think it ultimately comes down to I've you can get a sense of the culture at a place, I feel like, even if it's kind of this broad rudimentary thing. And I think if the culture's there, but maybe the food was a bit off that night or, you know, service was a bit slack, I tend to give places the benefit of the doubt because I, I see a lot of people in the food scene in Melbourne as really wanting to put out the best thing they can possibly make. Um, so I, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very generous and also very wise because often things things that might jar be jarring in the moment are, are so fleeting. And, you know, if you've noticed it, the restaurant's probably noticed it as well, especially if you've identified that culture of striving, then they probably feel worse about it than you possibly could and they'll probably fix it. Plus, it can make for some great stories. Like when I was out to dinner and a um, bottle of white wine slipped into the ice. And so then we were presented this, you know, a glass of white wine and, you know, we were told that it was subtle, yada, yada, yada. And I took a sip and I'm like, wow, that is really light and subtle. And I took another one and I'm like, is this wrong? Is this right? What's, what's happened? Do I say something? And I was kind of doubting my own wine skills. Um, and I, I eventually mentioned something and she, and you know, the song was really, really nice. She was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It slipped into the ice. But I feel like mistakes like that can sometimes bring everyone close together. Um, and yeah, no, I, I kind of love eating out for whatever happens, you know? Um, Jake, I reckon you're such a great diner for any restaurant to have walked through the doors. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's such a, such a pleasure to have you as part of Dirty Linen's summer series. Cannot wait for the, till the next time I see you and we can rave on about food again. Oh, can't wait either. Thanks so much for having me. 
This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.